Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Welcome to the Cannon Cast, a weekly podcast from the Cannon, SB Nation's blog about the Columbus Blue Jackets. We are joined today by Elaine Shercliffe, and we're also joined by Eric Seeds. What's going on, Seeds? It's been a while, but we have actual Blue Jackets news to start off with, as late Friday it was announced that the Blue Jackets and Jonas Corposalo agreed to a two-year contract with a $2.8 million annual average, so that looks to break down to about... $2.2 million for whenever next season will begin, and $3.4 million in 2021-22. So, Elaine, I'll let, I'll let you start. What do you think about this deal? I think it's good. It's not too much money. He can, I mean, like he still has a little bit of room to grow. If Jonas is just going to be a backup, then I think that's a good amount of money, maybe a little bit more for a backup. If they end up Having him be the starter goaltender, then it's a, a complete steal. And if they are rotating goaltenders for starters, then it it's like breaks even in my mind. So I think they did a really good job here because no matter how you look at it, it's actually a good signing. So I give management an A plus on that. Yeah, it's a good deal. It's a it's a real good real good deal for Corpusala to be Elvis's backup next season. Um. No, uh, it's a, it's a good deal. It's fine. Obviously, I don't really know. We we don't know what the plan is in goal. We don't know what Elvis's next contract is going to look like. I saw somewhere weeks ago they were like having negotiations, but but you know everything's kind of on hold right now. So um, I think it's a good deal for Corpusalo. Uh, it's reasonably priced, two years. It's not like they're making a big commitment kind of just maybe kicking the can down the line about uh, making a decision and goal for now. I don't really have m- many thoughts. Uh, congratulations to Yarmo, I guess, for not overpaying someone for a career year for the first time in a little while. So that's that's real nice to see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like the deal. I mean, I think we agree that Elvis is the number one, at least right now. And they look to have some luxury having both Corpusalo and Elvis. Now, that kind of leads into the next, next topic. And we kind of just touched on it a little bit, but... What do you guys think that this deal for Corpusalo means for Elvis? I mean, I think it's obvious that they're going to bring Elvis back, at least I would I, th- I would assume. But what do you guys think that Corpusalo's deal could mean for him, whether his next deal or even his, you know, his timeshare in net, basically? We'll know more about what the plan is in net once we see what Elvis's inevitable extension looks like. You know, maybe he gets a little more 
because even though he's not been in the league longer, he's a little older, got a little more experience, even though it might not be in the NHL. Yeah, you could say you could say Corpus Allo was the star. So like, or Corpus Allo was an all star this year. But if you look at the Metro goaltending, like you almost had to kind of pick Corpus Allo by default, given that streak he was on and how the rest of the Metro was awful in goal this year. So like, I don't, I, 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 I expect Elvis at the end of the day to get like a two year, $3 million AAV contract somewhere in that neighborhood. Like I said, a little more than Corpus Allo, but not much. I don't, I don't know. The whole goaltending contract situation right now is just a kind of a resounding meh from me. I can't really get all that excited about it. I'm the, the my big takeaway from this is, we have two potential NHL starting starting caliber goaltenders next year. They're going to be on the contract for that are going to be under contract for less than six million dollars, and uh, we didn't sign Sergei Bobrovsky to ten million. So that's that in itself is a win in my book because paying goalies is not really the way to win Stanley Cups. And I am very very glad at the end of the day we just decided not to do that. That's the entirety of my take on the goaltending situation. It's a resounding meh. Don't just don't pay them too much. I think this kind of sets them up to be able to pay them about the same amount of money. They both produced and Elvis definitely stepped up in a big way after Corpy went down. And if, you know, both of these goaltenders are smart, they would put incentives into their contract instead of just focusing on the number that they get yearly. So maybe focus on how many games they start or how many, you know, saves they make or something like that to kind of give them that leg up in case they don't say they have like a game that has, it's not a good game. And then the next game they don't play, but at least they still hit that incentive mark based on like how many saves they made or based on that. I like that Elvis is an RFA because, you know, the only way someone can offer him a contract right now is if he goes and asks that, like, starts the negotiation with another team and they decide to, like, paper him, which would paper the jackets, and he seems to really like it here. So it's nice to know that, that they're working with him right now. So he doesn't seem to be interested in going anywhere else, which is really nice to have goaltenders who want to be here, not because no one else wants them and not because no one else sees the value in them, but because they're actually like, they just like being here in Columbus. And then it would also, if they, if they sign him and they reach a good agreement that doesn't isn't a lot of money, then they can really focus on what's going to go on with the monsters, what's going to go on there with the goaltending situations, Tarasov is coming in. I think it'll be interesting. I'm actually kind of excited to see what they sign him for and how much. And I I predict it'll be around the same contract. Two years, about the same amount of money. My biggest question is who gets a deal first, PLD or Elvis? <laughs> <laughs> Probably Elvis. Yeah. I was going to say, I think, it, I think it's definitely Elvis because... Frankly, if I'm PLD, um, I'm saying I'm the number one center and you're going to give me the Johansson contract. You're yeah. giving me eight years. Yeah. You're giving I mean, me eight years. Yeah, that's, a, yeah, that's true. I wonder what, obviously, I mean, I expect both will, be ha- will have their deals you, locked he up. Paid, but, uh, you're willing to pay Alex Winberg stupid amounts of money and he sucks. So uh, pay pay me. <laughs> I just, I, God, I, man. I can't see PLD going about it that way, though. I don't see him wanting an eight-year contract or a long I don't see him wanting a long contract only because his dad has been a coach and he's been around the league so much growing up with it and I feel like he knows that 
some of the best contracts and the best players when they're younger to keep their longevity have done these medium length, I wonder, medium length contracts. I was going to say, I wonder, if he'll, I wonder if he'll ask for five years like Austin Matthews did. Yeah. That way he can cash in while he's still in his prime. Right. That makes more sense in a way. Yeah. I mean, that makes more sense to sign a little bit shorter deal to get that bigger deal money-wise next time. But yeah, it also makes me wonder too with the way this year is playing out with the uh, NHL on suspension. And we've talked about before what we think about the salary cap and how the lack of revenue, for instance, might impact things. And it makes me wonder, going back to the big-time contracts for goalies, as we saw with Bobrovsky and previous goalies in the past, I, I keep wondering about Braden Holpe, who's uh, going to be UFA, and he had a very down year for his standards. And he won't have – it looks like he won't have a playoffs to at least potentially – turn around his season or kind of showcase what he can do. I mean, we know what he can do in the past, but he's in line for that next big payday. So now I'm wondering what his future might hold. And you know, I, I think about teams like the Sharks, who would probably overpay for a guy like that. But I mean, like you said, I don't think goalies, signing goalies to a big time deal is not really the way to go. I just don't think really signing anyone to a big time deal is the way to go. Yeah. Because even if you have like a star center, it, it You know, like the Penguins got lucky because they have a star center and a star winger that they were able to sign for a really long time. Friggin' Penguins. Same with, right, and same, but same thing with the Hawks, too. But you see it like as, a, you know, the Hawks are struggling because they don't have the money to fill in the pieces and the parts that they really need. I wish I could cry into those three well, Stanley Cups. Uh, yeah. Yeah, what I'm saying I, is you... No, yeah, I get, I get but it. But that's something you have to think about. Like, do you want... Okay, yeah, they have three Stanley Cups and that's pretty awesome. But now it's also you have to look at it, too, from like a a money standpoint, too, not from what's on the ice is if you have like these amazing years where, oh, my God, they have these three Stanley Cups. Mm -hmm. It was great. And then all of a sudden they just go down. the Like who's coming to those games? It's going to be like 2007 all over again for them. So that's what Uh, the Chicago Blackhawks have led the league in attendance the last like five years. Well, right, because. They're not completely in the. Shit. I'm just saying, like those are things. They they won Stanley Cups, Elaine. Who the hell cares? Are you telling me you wouldn't have signed Artemi Panarin last summer to a twelve million dollar deal because it might hurt the I cap? I mean, maybe. That's that's you, that's nonsense. That, that, what that's I'm that's is utter these nonsense. Long contracts they hurt in the long run. In the short run, they don't always hurt. But it's like something that you have to yeah, weigh. It's yeah, not an it's, easy decision to look down the road and say, "I signed this guy to eight years." But who knows if I'm going to be the GM there and if someone's going to make sure that all the right pieces are going to happen, if we're going to have the same coach, you have to look at all of that. I'm saying that it's something that has to go into play. Yeah, I think um, I, I'm going to sign star play. I'm going to sign star players and try to win win Stanley Cups. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if I mean, I wouldn't give a goalie that type of a deal. Well, no. I, again, like, yeah, 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 I know. And I'm just saying, like, if it's like Connor McDavid, of course, I'm going to lock him up if I can. But yeah, I get what Elaine is saying, too, like. I follow a lot of Chicago sports Twitter, and I see the cries about uh, Stan Bowman, who has definitely made less than stellar deals over the last few years, and a lot of them, a lot of those fans want him out. But uh, yeah, I mean, I get both sides. Obviously, if you can win now, I, I, I don't, I don't agree. I guess I don't agree with paying guys who are entering age thirty for yeah, eight-year deals. Yeah. I don't agree with doing that. Right. But if you've got a chance to lock up a kid who's twenty-five for seven, eight years, like. When Seth Jones' next contract mm-hmm. is up, he's going to be 27 years old, and you're going to, and uh, 
given how defensive and age, and especially one of his caliber, will likely age pretty well, I would have no qualms locking Seth Jones up to an eight-year contract. But the problem with a lot of these long contracts is they have no movement and no trade clauses. Yeah, you just so, gotta be smart with that. You if just they go down the decline, then you can't do anything with them, and you you're just sitting there with like no cap space because you can't move these people. That's I mean, we like we. It's I mean, we got we got to pl- think about. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. What I what I would say is GMs should not give them out to just anybody. Right. Maybe give it out to one or two guys on your roster, like. Sure, give it to Seth Jones, but yeah. there's no reason. But Brandon Dubinsky needs that no move clause on his tri- on his. Or contract. like Ryan Murray as yeah, yeah, for sure, yeah, for sure. I, I use Ryan Murray as a weird example, but just you know his injury. Not that this would happen to Ryan Murray, but just thinking about a guy that's constantly injured, it's like well, of course you're not going to give a guy like that a big deal. We'll take a break and we'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, I'm Nilay Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. All right, Elaine, so you have an interesting segment for us and our listeners. Okay, so I was on vacation for like two weeks, and I I really couldn't stop thinking about hockey during that time. Um, So I started doing research on alumni of the, uh, the Blue Jackets organization and seeing like where they're at, what are they doing, trying to get ideas for us to kind of fill up the summer, like this pause we're on. And so I came up with this segment here called, like, Which Alumni Did This? It's a working name. We can change it in the future. I don't care. <laughs> um, but I, I give you three players that used to play for the team, um, kind of tell you a little bit about them, and then I give you three things that have been done, and then you tell me which player did what. So Scott Hartnell and I'm not going to really explain this group of players because I feel like we all really know who they are. So Scott Hartnell, James Wisniewski, and Jean-Luc Grandpierre. So then you guys have those in your mind, and I'll say, like, this person ended up working for Philadelphia and NHL Sports, talking about the Flyers, 
and is like best friends with Cam Atkinson now. And then this alumni, and then another alumni, he uh, uh, coaches the women's program at Ohio State. And then the other would be what alumni is now working for Fox Sports Ohio when Bill Davidge retired. Lyle Odeline. <laughs> Those weren't the options. But does that make does that make sense? So like I know you guys yeah. know the answers to all those. Like Hartnell is Billy One and JLJP. Okay, so you might want to write down the names. God, I have <laughs> to take I wrote notes. A little bit. <laughs> I just wrote a little bit about who they were, so that people listening could kind of get to know alumni if they're new fans or if they're older fans and kind of forgot about these people. Okay, you guys ready? Ready as I'll okay, ever be. So the players are Chris Beach. Um, the Columbus Blue Jackets signed Chris Beach to a one-year contract as a free agent in August of 2007. He was a center who played 16 games with the Jackets and 16 games with the Syracuse Crunch, who were their affiliate at the time for the AHL. Um, he had three assists on December 2007 with the Colorado uh, against the Colorado Avalanche, and these three assists helped power the Jackets to beat the Avalanche 5-4. to four. And this was the first time in CBJ history where the Jackets beat the Avalanche in regulation at Nationwide. And then about a month later, the Vancouver Canucks claimed him off of waivers. So that is Chris Beach. And then the next one is Kevin Deneen. He was drafted by the Jackets in the 2000 expansion draft. He is a right winger who was left unprotected by the Ottawa Senators. And he retired um, no November of 2002 when he realized he was just going to be a spare body for the rest of the season. So that's Kevin Deneen. He played 129 games, 13 goals, 15 assists. Okay. The third one is Dan Fritchie. Fritchie. I never say this right. <laughs> I remember Dan Fritchie. <laughs> yeah. It was drafted out of Parma, Ohio. He, in the 2003 entry draft, he notched two goals and assists against the St. Louis Blues on November 9th, 2006. And in an interview with the CBJ, he said this is, this game was his turning point for his confidence and he started to step up his game a little bit more, including the physicality. Um, in January of 2007, he threw hands with Scott Hartnell when they played against the Predators. Uh, the Jackets lost that game, but Frischi actually won that fight. <laughs> um, on July 2nd, he was traded to the Rangers for Feder Tutin and Christian Backman. Along with Nikolai Zherdev. <laughs> yes! <laughs> I swear those to God, you who, I those are, Google this. <laughs> no, I no, I I distinctly remember trading Nikolai Zherdev because my sister thought he was really hot. Oh, <laughs> nice. that is why that is why I remember Nikolai Zherdev getting traded. Also, apologies nice. to my sister who does not listen to this podcast for just outing you for thinking Nick Zherdev uh, was hot. <laughs> listen, I think we've all thought certain hockey players were dreamy. Throwing that out there. <laughs> Okay. Like Panarin. So... <laughs> We've all no, had dreams of Panarin on the uh, ice. Maybe his skills. <laughs> no, just about his dog. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> I don't... 
What, you don't want to snuggle, Rizzy? I get it. I mean, I I want to snuggle all of the dogs in the hockey world, and just dogs in general, and cats, and... This took a turn. (laughs) Anyways, um, so I'm now going to tell you something that a player did afterwards and where they're at right now, and then I want you to tell me which of those three you think did it. And then I'll go to the next one, and then the one after that. Okay? Got it. Ready. Okay, so uh, this person, since leaving the Jackets, has coached four professional teams and a national team. He coached the Canadians women national team to a gold medal in 2014, and he is currently the head of the San Diego Goals, the AHL affiliate of the Anaheim Ducks. He was also a scout and assistant GM for the Jackets. Oh, I know this. Okay. I, I know the I, I know the answer because I yeah. <laughs> okay, guys, who is it? It's Kevin Deneen. Well. Yeah, I was. Yeah. I, yeah I, so I was actually leaning. So I knew that Deneen had that coaching or like assistant GM kind of background. So I, at first I wasn't leaning towards him, but yeah, I was thinking Deneen once you got to that point. So yeah, Deneen. Okay. Cool, yeah, I, I threw that last one in there as a just-in-case there was crickets, and I wasn't sure if you guys would get it, so I lofted that in there. I was almost leaning towards someone else because I wasn't sure, but yeah, Denis with the uh, AGM hat background for sure. And that was the um, Canadian Women's, was that fourth consecutive gold medal in 2014? So he uh, he definitely did a good job with, with that Canadian team. Not that he didn't have a bunch of like amazing women on that team, but yeah. Okay, so the next one is this guy has now become a mindfulness training coach for a company called Mindflow. Before that, he founded a company called AIM Mindfulness. Um, and then I think that got absorbed into Mindflow, or that's how they found him. And he focuses on meditation mindfulness and this whole organization is kind of based on helping you get in the right mind space mentally so that you can be physically ready for uh the game so it's like really focused on athletes and giving them knowledge and also like centering themselves well i'm pretty sure this was an iron man villain at one point but uh <laughs> like I'm pretty sure this is the plot of the of Iron Man three, but um I'm gonna gu- I'm gonna guess Dan Fritchie because I have no earthly idea. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna guess Fritchie also. It's Chris Beach. Damn. Boo. Yeah. <laughs> um, Dan Fritchie is actually back in Northeast Ohio. He is currently he just became the director of hockey operations for Mentor Lake Catholic, which is about forty minutes away from Akron. Not um, like maybe twenty or. 30 away from downtown Cleveland. Oh, that's cool. He is also the president and hockey director of the Cleveland Junior Jacks, which is kind of like the Ohio AAA Blue Jackets. And he is also the president of a company called DF Sports, which has these really cool... um, His dad did this thing back in the day and had his own company called JF Sports, and they were called Hockey Brats. Um, And they're like these little cartoon hockey characters. They have air fresheners and uh, for each team and like bumper, like bumper sticker magnet things for your car. And then also keychains. They're actually pretty cool uh, because it's actually kind of a fun, you know, people are always looking for something fun hockey related. And I I think it's kind of cool that he kind of did a throwback to his dad's company. 
So that's what he's doing. And I'm sure he could probably still take Scott Hartnell to this day. Probably. So. <laughs> Yes. I looked up Fritchie not that long ago for some reason. I don't know, maybe I just randomly came across his name or whatever. And I, I remember reading up on something he was doing, but I completely forgot what it was. So it was cool that you uh, mentioned that. Yeah, it, it's also like I wanted to do these things too because I hear a lot of people say like nothing good comes out of Columbus alumni other than staying in Columbus and doing stuff for Columbus or, you know, like they don't even know who the alumni really are. And then they're like, oh, this person played for the team. And I just really want fans to especially the newer fans yeah. to know kind of the history of the players when they were here but also what they've chosen to do afterwards because some of it's kind of fascinating Kevin Deneen has been probably one of the biggest success <laughs> stories out of alumni in the sense of his coaching you know he's coached on some great teams he was already like a really good player before he came in and then he kind of struggled with the jackets a bit but He's got like this long history and people forget that he was even here, which is crazy because he was one of the first players to ever set foot on the ice at Nationwide. So I remember the name. Yeah, for sure. This just prompted me to look up Nikolai Zherdev. Um, <laughs> first of all, I had no memory of him playing 421 games in the NHL. Right? Um, I, just, it, I totally blocked that out of my memory. He apparently has retired or is on some sort of hiatus from the KHL. He last played in 2016-17 when he went 8-21-29 in 54 games. Yeah, I didn't know any of this about... Yeah, okay. So Nikolai Zherdev probably just... back in Ukraine, so... Yeah, that's a thing. He, also, he's, yeah, I think also I... Nikolai Zherdev is 35 years old, and dear God, I'm old. <laughs> I think I just remember Zheradev being like this, you know, wasn't he like a big time draft pick who was supposed to be great? And of course, there was issues with him in Columbus. And he went to what, Philly, didn't he? He went to the Rangers and then Philadelphia. Yeah, shocker. Doug McLean screwed up a draft. <laughs> remember Nikita Filatov? Yeah, uh, yeah. I remember I remember him being picked three picks ahead of Andre Kopitar. <laughs> I that Okay, so in doing this research, I realized just how not so great the jackets were at drafting people in the Ugh. first few years that they were around even when i look at the expansion draft they didn't keep many of their expansion draft players they traded a lot of them away for different uh different parts and pieces so nick nick Zherdev, for those of you who want it for new fans or anyone who hasn't really paid attention to the history of the jackets being awful at drafting here is the 2003 first round um, where the Blue Jackets pick Nikolai Zherdev fourth overall. First overall, Marc-Andre Fleury. Second, Eric Stahl. Third, Nathan Horton. Fifth, Thomas Vanek. Seventh, Ryan Suter. Ninth, Dion Phaneuf. Eleventh, Jeff Carter. Fourteenth, Brent Seabrook. Also in that draft, Ryan Kessler, Mike Richards, Brian Boyle, Louis Erickson, Patrice Bergeron, Corey Crawford, and we... Man. Of David Backus, they got Jimmy the worst. Howard, and fourth overall, we got Nikolai they literally, because they literally, everything sucks. Everybody else was like a success story, Rip, Nathan, Horton, but everybody else was a, was a success story, basically. Yeah. To be I, fair, I, at much, some point, we got um, Horton and Carter. <laughs> yeah, well, you know how that worked out. <laughs> there, there are like there are like nine cup winning players in this in this, including Patrice Bergeron and. Uh, we happened into Nick Zherdev because everything is awful. I guess I guess the I silver say, lining is the fact they did take PLD that one time. Oh yeah, well, 
I will say, like, even from the standpoint of looking at how they were able to, you know, maybe they drafted him because they thought he was good, but then they didn't help make him better. They, for a really long time, their, their farm systems just weren't good at molding players to fit into the systems. And so I feel like when they got newer players, even at the NHL level, they also weren't good at trying to coach them to become better players. I feel like we've seen that more since the year before they became the monsters or like maybe two years that they really started to develop players even better. So like the past seven years, because when I look at, when I was looking at some of uh, going through them and seeing where they are now, I think about how, you know, Jamie Pushor should have been like a lot better Oh yeah, he was here. I remember. Yeah, I mean, we didn't we didn't draft him. He was drafted by the Red Wings, but like then he came to here and he just wasn't he just wasn't good any. I want to say he wasn't good anymore, but like he wasn't he wasn't impactful really. Could have been, and he kind of stalled out, and then they got rid of him, and and that was that. And I feel like in the beginning they really struggled to develop players to be what they needed them to be. Like they didn't have a focus. And what they wanted players where they were veterans or new guys coming in to what they wanted them to be. I'll always appreciate from those old days, I'll always appreciate Jeff Sanderson, Ryan, uh, Ray Whitney, Ray Whitney, and uh, David Faborny. Yes. Oh, Jeff Sanderson. And Klesla. He was good too. Oh, Rusty. Wait, what is Jeff Sanderson doing now? I didn't actually look him up yet. Let me do I'm honestly not sure. I only made it so far through the alpha. I know I've looked him up too, but yeah, I don't know. (laughs) I just when I think of the when I think of the, the first decade of the Blue Jackets, I just think of guys like Sanderson, Shelley, Kleslov, Aborny, and Ray Whitney, and you know Sanders, Sanderson currently uh, runs or formed and runs an oil and gas rental equipment company. Oh, look at that! There you go. He's probably he's probably got some money in the bank. He's just you know having his uh, he's just doing his hobby or whatever. I don't know second career. There seems. Have been like a lot of coaches and analysts that have come out of the alumni though i mean just from what i've been looking at and so i'm curious to see what that final number is um because like mark denis is an analyst uh trevor latowski oh yeah latowski coach of the windsor windsor spitfires so um yeah and and i really enjoy that doug mcclain is now on tsn because anytime he says anything i just assume the exact opposite is what actually oh. should happen and i'm usually not proven wrong <laughs> yeah man they, i will never stop taking digs at doug mcclain for as long as i live that guy was awful yeah i mean i guess rick nash is okay i mean obviously he had a solid career in columbus but he didn't have much support no yeah um building a team around the guy might actually you know help things occasionally well also yeah, a little bit they put him in a role that he didn't want right away so you know you you have to think how that messes with a player a little bit like Oh hey, I'm gonna be captain now, and I didn't really want this right now. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. And, Every, yeah. By all accounts, Rick Nash had wanted no part of being the captain of that team, and yet we're gonna foist this upon you. Deal with it, kid. Yeah, I always kind of felt for Rick Nash in that sense because How? so much was put on his shoulders for such a young guy who was trying to make his way and didn't have a ton of veteran presence to kind of help guide him through it who have who were on the same skill level the more i think about it the more i just wonder how in the world is doug mcclain not currently employed by like the edmonton oilers because it just makes way too much sense 
Oh, that Oiler. Did you know Doug McLean's nickname is Prince Eddie? <laughs> no. <laughs> Prince of what? <laughs> he, he is affectionately known as Prince Eddie. This is on Wikipedia, so it must be true. Of course. He is affectionately known as Prince Eddie due to his affinity for Prince Edward Island. Yep. I will say Jeez. this, though. Jesus. I do like Doug McLean a lot because he is part of the reason why the AAA Blue Jackets survived in the beginning because his son Clark was on the initial team with Trent Vogelhuber and um, they they would try they would drive to Dayton constantly in that first year before they moved to Columbus so he was a really big proponent for um, for hockey for youth hockey so I I have a little bit of a soft spot for him because he definitely was part of that group of them were a part of growing hockey in Columbus in a positive manner as well. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Disclaimer. No, that's cool. I get that for sure. I get that. I mean, I get that he didn't do like the best job or we don't think he, some people think he didn't do the best job. To be fair, I wasn't like all into the jackets until like 2011. So I don't really know the ins and outs of how the front office and stuff uh, ran back then because I was really into the Hawks and the Thrashers. All right. Thrashers. Um, so. <laughs> he, uh, Doug McLean, Doug McLean ruined my 13th birthday. Speaking of, hey, speaking of, I losses to the Colorado Avalanche at Nationwide Arena. Um, my 13th birthday party was a uh, game at Nationwide. My family, uh, we had gotten a suite somehow. So I took a bunch of my friends. We went and watched the Jackets play the Colorado Avalanche, and they lost seven to one on my thirteenth birthday. So shouts to Doug McLean for for uh, ruining the. That that reminds me. I was going to say real fast. That reminds me. In my last game, at I think it was my last game at Nationwide before we moved to uh, Virginia. It was two thousand. It was like March two thousand four. The Canucks were in town, and I think we left at like six two in the third period when like I don't know if it was Naslin's, uh, Jovanowski. I don't know. They were just killing Columbus. Um, At least you guys get to watch hockey on your birthday because my birthday is August 22nd and there is never hockey on or around my birthday. There might be. (laughs) There might be this summer. (laughs) Yeah, there might be this year, Elaine. I doubt it. The I've gotten to hockey on my birthday is like the AAA Blue Jackets alumni game. (laughs) That's about it. And I really don't want there to be professional hockey on my birthday. <laughs> it just seems Me weird. Either. I don't either. I hope not. I just not. Yeah, it shouldn't happen under no under no circumstance should it happen. Just because it just that's just going to screw up next year, I would think. But I don't think it's going to happen anyway. We're going to get into some final thoughts. I think Seeds has one. What's up, Seeds? <laughs> Yeah, I sure do have a final thought. Guys, um, by the time you heard this, the first two parts will have already debuted, but yes. the Michael Jordan documentary is finally yes. here. Yes. I cannot tell you how I excited I am for this. Like, Me too. I have been looking forward to this since from the minute I woke up this morning. I've just been wishing for it to be 9 o'clock. I am so excited to watch all of this behind-the-scenes footage from Michael Jordan um, in that final season he had in Chicago. There's a great article on ESPN.com about like how this all came to be and how basically all this footage just sat in a vault for 20 years before Jordan ever was like, yeah, it's okay, we can finally make this. It's like details the process of how they got into the locker room, how they got all this access, how they had to go through like the NBA commissioner's office, uh, through Phil Jackson, through Michael Jordan. It's it's a really interesting read, and then like how they convinced him to like do the documentary. 
and finally like let this some of this footage get released guys i'm so 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 excited to finally watch this espn's airing it um uncensored which is going to be awesome because everyone's going to see how much of a legendary asshole michael jordan is like you're actually gonna we're actually going to see all this footage it's going to be so cool i cannot i cannot express how excited i am looking forward to this um that is also my final thought i am super pumped because like this is my childhood coming alive and I remember being like living right outside of Chicago and watching all of this take place decked out in like my Dennis Rodman jersey and my Michael Jordan jacket and my Chicago Bulls like those stretchy pants things like oh I'm so excited so pumped guys I can't I'm gonna cry. Yeah, I mean, like, when I first got in, like, I was born in 88, so the first memories I have of, like, anything sports-related was basically, like, the uh, Jordan Bull, so of course it's, like, a flashback to my, like, childhood, but also just the NBA on NBC theme and all that legendary stuff with, like, Hostess and everything, like, that always gives me chills, plus, like, the, uh, like, the Bulls, like, the intros and stuff, so, yeah, definitely awesome, yeah, they were the best. Well, that's just gonna about do it for us this week. Our theme music is the song Green Eyes by Angela Pearlie and the Howlin' Moons off of their album Homemade Vision. Angela's newest album is called 430, and you should definitely go check it out. She's also on tour right now, so go check her out at AngelaPearlie.com. And you should also check out Angela Pearlie on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube for videos and live stream concerts from her home during this stay-at-home period. Rate us and leave us a review on iTunes, and as always, we welcome your comments and questions. You can tweet at us at cbjcannon and comment on jackiscannon.com. From all of us at the Canon, thank you for listening, and we will see you next week.